Today I want to talk to you about pain. No matter what color your skin, no matter what your social standing, no matter what your net worth, whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, a Hindu, one thing that every one of us share is we all go through pain in life. Uh, there was a wonderful woman visiting our church last Sunday with some family members. She was from up north, and she shared with me how just a few weeks ago, her grandson was shot nine times by a 15-year-old and killed. When I heard that, I thought, I cannot even imagine the pain of this woman and her family to get a phone call saying that your child was shot nine times by a 15-year-old. Then I thought this, I don't know what's worse, the pain of the family of the victim or the pain of the family of the shooter? Who wants to hear a call that your 15-year-old was so raged, so angry, that he shot somebody nine times and he's in high school? The pain that this must feel like is unbearable. Um, if you've ever delivered a child or been pregnant, you've been in pain. If you've ever raised a child, you've been in pain. If you've ever been married, if you've ever been single, if you've ever been divorced, you've, some of y'all are experiencing pain right now and you're married. Everybody experiences pain. I would dare say the greatest pain we'll ever feel, I, I personally think, would be losing a child, outliving one of your children, and then the second is probably going through a divorce when you have kids involved. Those are probably, I would dare say, the most two. And I think about God watching his son die. Matthew 5, 45 says this, the rain falls on everybody. It falls on the just and the unjust. Listen, you can be the just. You can be doing the right thing in church right now. You can be reading your Bible. You can be praying. You can be tithing. You can be worshiping. And it'll still rain in your life. On this earth, we can't escape pain. It rains on us emotionally. One day we're great. We're full of uh, joy. The next day we're incredibly depressed. It rains on us physically. We have physical bodies, earthly bodies right now that, that experience pain. It rains on us mentally. I battle mental pain. I can lay in bed at night and my mind can go to the most horrible places and I'll start feeling fear or guilt or whatever it is and I have to force my mind to go back in the right direction. We all experience pain. When this happens, we tend, even as Christians, we tend to run to the wrong source to help relieve that pain. We'll run to a, a drug, over-the-counter, prescription, non-prescription, illegal. Uh, if, we're, if we're experiencing the pain of loneliness, we would rather run to the wrong person than run to Jesus and deal with the pain. Whenever we experience loss, when we experience uh, whatever it is, it's, it's like we're always trying to get rid of pain. And so for the next 28 minutes or so, I want to somehow redirect your thought life when it comes to the pain that we experience on planet Earth as we go through tests, trials, and tribulations. So point number one for your notes is this. Pain occurs because Jesus loves me. Pain occurs because Jesus loves me. We used to sing, you know, Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. But in a little bit you'll be able to sing, Jesus loves me this I know because he lets me go through pain. Uh, John chapter 11 is the story of Lazarus. And I know you know the story. It says a man named Lazarus was sick. So the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love. Everybody say love. love. I want you to understand. It's going to say that again. Now, that's not the most important word in this scripture. I'll show you the most important word in a second. But I need you to understand. It says they didn't even say Lazarus. They said, Jesus, the one you love. This was Jesus's best friend. All you had to say to Jesus at this time was the one you love. And he knew they were talking about Lazarus. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness won't end in death, but for the glory of God. Verse 5 says this. Now, Jesus, there's the word again, loved 
loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them. Now, here's the biggest word in this scripture. So Jesus loved them. So Jesus heard they were in pain and he cared about them. So he stayed where he was at. He heard they were going through something horrible, a tragedy, something, something, um, something negative was happening in their life. So because he loved them, so he didn't do anything about it. Now, you would think the scripture would say when Jesus heard they were in pain, he heard Lazarus was sick, but he had to stay where he was at two more days. But it doesn't say that. It says so. It's very interesting to me when we pass over this word. He loved them. He heard they were in pain. So he stayed where he was at two more days. Now, when the messenger left Lazarus and Mary and Martha, Lazarus died. It took one day to get to Jesus. Jesus stayed where he was at two days. And then he spent one day's journey getting back, which was actually four days after they started to experience this pain. Why in the world would it say Jesus loved them so he let them continue going through that pain for several more days? I, I kind of picture whenever Lazarus and Mary and Martha, when they finally died and get to heaven. And, and, and you know the story. He ended up raising Lazarus from the dead. So it worked out for everybody. But at some point, of course, they died. They get to heaven and they're reading John in the Bible. They say, okay, it says Jesus stayed. So I, I picture them going to John. And they say, John, I realize the Bible says if you're offended at somebody, you should go to them, you know. And we're not offended. We just have a question. What was so important that you wrote in the gospel after Jesus heard we were in pain, after he heard we were sick, after he heard we needed him to fix this, what was so important that he stayed where he was at? Was he in the middle of a sermon? Was there a big conference going on? Was he healing people, doing miracles? What took place? And John said, there wasn't really anything. We were just hanging out. They said, no, no, John, you don't understand. We know he loved us. It actually is written in the Bible twice that we were the ones he loved, loved us. So why did he not fix this? And John says, it really wasn't that big of a deal. We were just chilling, just eating, just shooting the breeze, just hanging out. They said, we don't believe you were going to Jesus. So I picture them in heaven. They go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know you're interceding for those people down there on earth, but we just need a second. We're not upset. We're not offended. You raised him from the dead. It worked out fine. But tell us, why did you allow us? To continue to experience that pain. And here's the response Jesus would have given them. Because I love you. That's what it says. It says, because I love you, I stayed where he was at two more days. If you were to ask Jesus today, why are you allowing this pain in my life? I believe his answer could be, because I love you. Now, all through the Gospels, Jesus likes to have these conversations with his 12 stooges, I mean his 12 disciples. And, and a lot of times, Jesus is speaking spiritually. He's speaking on a heavenly plane, and his stooges are seeing things and feeling things on an earthly standard. And you see that all through the Gospels where they're confusing each other. Jesus is trying to say something, relay a message, and they just don't get it. That happens here. In verse 11, Jesus finally told them, listen, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I'm going to wake him. Jesus was using heavenly language saying he's dead, but I'm going to take care of it. The disciples answered, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll recover. You know, doing, you know, that. And so, 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 the, so the disciples are talking earthly, right? Okay, so finally in verse 13, Jesus said, speaking of his death, they thought he was referring to natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, listen, guys, you don't get it. Lazarus is dead. I think we tend to have earthly discussions with Jesus 
about heavenly issues. I think that you and I get so caught up in our emotional, earthly pain that we fail to see the spiritual principle Jesus is trying to teach us and do in our life. Um, we get so caught up in what we're going through in that moment, we fail to ask Jesus, why are we going through this? What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to, 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 to get into my heart? What are you trying to change about me? Now, the story about Lazarus is very interesting because Jesus decided he was going to do something so amazing in the life of Lazarus. It had never been done in all of history. Do you know that Lazarus was the only human being in history who Jesus raised from the dead on the fourth day? He wanted to do something so amazing, so unique, but he couldn't do it on the first day. He couldn't do it on the second day. He couldn't do it on the third day. He had to wait until the fourth day because even Jesus himself wasn't raised on the fourth day. He was raised even on the third day. Now, what I find is very interesting about this is this is actually the thing that sealed the fate of Jesus. Out of every miracle he did, out of every person he healed, out of every amazing thing he said, this event right here sealed the fate of Jesus on the cross. It says in John 12, verse 9, a large crowd of people heard that Jesus was there and they came not only because of Jesus, but to see Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from death. Verse 10, so the chief priests planned not only to kill Lazarus, but Jesus as well, because on this account, many were believing in Jesus. Let me say it like this. When Lazarus got to heaven, there was a whole crowd of people who were there simply because he went through pain for three, four days. There are so many people in heaven right now, all because Jesus did not fix the pain of Mary and Martha immediately when they started going through it. It changed the lives of people all around them. I wonder, I wonder if God is trying to do something so amazing in our life right now, but we're so busy seeing the emotional Feelings that we're going through that we're missing out on what this miracle is supposed to be. Just like with you, God may be saying what you're experiencing right now is going to end for the glory of God. You just got to get through and push through the pain. Um, I was studying this, this Dr. Paul Brand. I was reading some of his writings. He worked at a leprosarium in India many years ago. And uh, he was there for a little over two decades helping lepers because they could not be in society, of course. Um, for a little over a thousand years, Doctors all over the world thought that when you got leprosy, um, they thought that it, it killed your flesh. It caused your flesh to rot away. The bacteria would cause your flesh to just break apart. But they finally discovered, just less than a hundred years ago, that when you get um, when you're a leper, when you get leprosy, it doesn't cause your flesh to rot away. It causes your nerves to rot away, which prevents you from feeling pain. And so what they would do is they'd be working with their hands and working with their body and not know that they're rubbing their hands or their body against something because they could not feel pain. And that's what would cause their flesh to fall off or to rot away. Dr. Paul Brand writes about this one guy who was using a hoe and he tried to move his hand and, and he couldn't. And he noticed a nail had been sticking through his hand the entire time he was working and he couldn't feel it. Another time, Dr. Paul Brand was trying to open up this very large rusted padlock. And a 12-year-old boy there in the leprosarium with leprosy came by and he said, I'll do it for you. And he opened it up and Dr. Brand looks down. There's a pile of blood. The boy had sliced his finger to the bone and couldn't feel it. Uh, my son Asher, my youngest son, you know, he had his spinal cord surgery when he was a baby. 
One of the long-term effects is he can't feel in one of his hands. He's broken this particular hand over 12 times and didn't even know. If you look at his hands, you'll see one of them is a whole lot larger than the other. Because of that, we call it the Hulk hand is what he calls it. But all of his fingernails have come off from time to time. I know, I, th I, th I thought you'd like to hear that. And um, the way we found this out was, is because it snowed here in Myrtle Beach like seven, eight years ago. And all the kids were playing outside in the snow. And we walked by this pond that's like frozen over. And my other kids are putting their finger in the pond and pulling it out. And say, oh, it's, it's cold, it's cold. And Asher, we didn't know this was a problem. Asher said, I can do a magic trick. And we thought, what's that? And he put his whole hand inside the freezing cold pond, the pond, his whole arm. He said, look, it's not cold. And we you know, pull it out and his arm's completely blue. We said, Asher, what's wrong? Can you, not, can you not feel this? He couldn't feel the pain. So Dr. Paul Brand decided he was going to invent some gloves for the lepers. To where anytime they would touch something or, or rub up against something, it would make a sound so they could check themselves to feel if they were bleeding. Well, they ended up turning off the gloves because they didn't like hearing the sound. So then he created some gloves to where the, this, this shock would go to their spinal cord, which is the last thing where you, the last place in your body you lose feeling as a leopard. And so it would give them a little shock if they bump something and they check themselves and see if they're bleeding or if something happened. But they didn't like feeling that pain. They had gone through their whole life not experiencing pain. Now someone's giving them pain. They didn't like it, so they turned that off as well. Dr. Paul Brand says this, and I'll quote it. I fear our society does the same thing. When we experience pain, the first thing we do is turn the pain off. We, we start feeling depressed. We immediately run to alcohol or pornography or, or whatever eases that pain. We feel alone. We'll call anybody to hang out with. Not the right person, just anybody. We, 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 we're, we're, you know, we're upset, we're jealous, we'll go spend money, we'll go to the mall and just spend, spend money, all because we're upset about something else. When we would just go, if we could just go to God and say, God, help me understand, why am I experiencing this pain? What is this pain for, God? How, how, how can you fix this pain? Why am I going through this? What are you trying to teach me, show me? These types of things that we run to, alcohol, drugs, people, it can be called a stronghold in the Bible. And Psalms 18.2 says this, the Lord is supposed to be our stronghold. Now, this word stronghold is all through the Bible, okay, all through the Bible. And even though it's in Greek and Hebrew, our English is just one word, stronghold. But in Greek and Hebrew, there's a lot of different definitions. When it comes to the Lord being our stronghold, it talks about a fortress, which is good. You can run to God, he'll protect you. But there's two other words for stronghold. One is prison and one is tomb. In other words, when we run to the wrong stronghold, it can keep you in a prison until the point where it finally kills that area of your life, that area of your relationship, your mind, whatever it is God's wanting to do. Um, Dr. Paul Brand says this, the suicide rate was astronomically high with lepers compared to the rest of society. In fact, out of every sect of people on planet Earth, the ones that there's more suicide is with lepers than any other group on Earth, and here's why. Because they could not feel pain, they couldn't feel pleasure. They could not feel the pat on the back. They couldn't feel when a loved one embraced them and gave them a hug. The same nerves that allow us to feel pain are the same nerves that allow us to feel pleasure. We have nothing to compare to. We wouldn't know what pleasure is without pain. I think the reason one third of the angels fell from heaven is because they had no idea what earth or hell was like. They know now the reason we're gonna love heaven is because we know what earth is like. Give us something better. 
If you're here today and you complain about America, let us send you on a mission trip. We would love to take care of that in your life. You will love America when you get back. You'll be, you don't care who the president is. You'll be thanking God for America. We send you to a third world country. Why did God create pain? Because he loves you. Point number two and three are a lot quicker. Number two is this. Suffering occurs because of free will. Suffering occurs because of free will. God did not create suffering. You and I created suffering. Suffering entered the world when sin entered the world. Anything that's evil that causes people to suffer came from our free will. People will say, well, they'll look at the world and they'll say, is this the best God can do? No, it's the best you and I can do. Before you start complaining about the starving children in Africa, let's look at your bank account and see what you're doing to help that. Before you're complaining about the hatred or the racism in the world, let's examine your heart and see what you're doing to help that. We love to blame the devil or blame God for everything evil in the world when a lot of times it comes from you and it comes from me. Uh, that that ex-spouse that hurt you, you say, well, why did God do that? It did. It was that person's free will that hurt you. That business partner, they have a free will. Your parents had a free will. Your enemies, they have a free will. And when you see these horrible posts on Facebook from Christians talking about that the Lord's coming to destroy this group of people and he hates homosexuals and he can't stand this political group and he's going to judge them and judge that. That is so unbiblical. So unbiblical. The greatest scripture in the Bible is John 3.16. The second greatest one is John 3.17. It says that God did not, did not, did not, did not, did not, did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's why Jesus came, not to condemn you, not to judge you, but to save you. Amen. And if there's still breath in your body, there's still a chance for you to be saved. Um, real quick, I don't have time to get into it, but I wanted to go over seven strongholds that you and I run to when we experience pain and suffering. Uh, for the series, I could have called this seven demonic strongholds. These are seven, and, 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 and if you, and I could have done a whole series on each one of these, but just real quick, if you experience any of what I'm about to show you in your life, there's a good chance that you've gone through some pain and suffering and you didn't run to the Lord. You ran somewhere else, okay? Number one is this, shame and guilt. If you're still here today and, you're, and you've already repented for something and you're experiencing shame or guilt from something that happened yesterday, last week, last year, last decade, then you're not going to God like you should. Put aside the shame and guilt and move forward. Number two is this insecurity. If, um, if, 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 you, if you have to make sure that um, if someone else is being praised, you just got it, you get upset. Why didn't they praise me? Why didn't they talk about how good I did at this? If you go to a meeting and you have to make sure you sit at just the right place where you're seen and you're heard, um, if, you, if, you don't, if you can't let anybody know you messed up at anything, you gotta, you gotta make sure everybody thinks you're perfect this is something that you're battling because you went through someone's free will hurt you and you didn't run to God and you need to go to God and literally talk it out and ask God to heal you from the inside out. Number three is this anger and rage. Have you ever met somebody that, that they get so angry and here's what they do. They attack the person that actually loves them. They get so angry, so angry, they'll punch holes in the wall. They can't control themselves. They'll say the most evil and hurtful things to you and they're saying that to the person that actually loves them the person that's on their side they don't get upset you know if a hobo says something to them or if someone from another country comes by and shoots the bird they don't care man but when someone close to them does the slightest thing they attack full of rage um 
King Saul went through a, a time where he was rejected. And instead of going to the Lord when he felt this rejection, he went to anger and rage. And 1 Samuel 19.9 says the evil spirit from the Lord. Remember that for point number three. You need to remember that. The evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. You know what Saul did, right? With that spear, he tried to kill who? He tried to kill David. Did David love him or hate him? David loved him. David was serving him. And, and Saul is so upset about something else. But he's taken out on David. Remember that. Okay, point number four says independence. Um, this is where you don't want to be around anybody because you don't need anybody. You don't need any short group. You don't need any friends. You want to be alone. You don't want anybody to get close to you or be in your life. It's because you've been hurt and you haven't dealt with that particular situation. And listen, out of everything I've gone through in life, other than being saved, the second greatest thing was inner healing. And you literally need to either write it out in a diary or sit down with God for a few hours uh, every week for the next several weeks and literally go over this thing that happened to you, whether it was as a child, in a, in a business partner situation, whatever it was, and talk it out with Jesus and say, Jesus, here's what happened to me. I don't know why their free will did this to me, but I need you to heal me. Help me forgive them. You literally need to talk it out. Ask God to go back in time. God doesn't operate in time like we do. He can go back in time to that instance and heal your heart from that time forward. You've got to learn how to do this. Number five is it's easily offended. You walk on eggshells around the person. I mean, you say the slightest thing and they just get so upset. And It's like a bruise. You know, when you've got a bruise and you're bleeding on the inside, even though the bruise goes away, it's not the capillaries aren't fully healed. So if you slightly bump it, it just bruises all over again. That's what it's like for a lot of people that went through something that bruised them. They're not fully healed. And so you say the slightest little thing and the bruise just comes right back and they're so upset about it. Number six, excessive shyness or loneliness. Um, and I'm not talking about a personality trait. I'm talking about a fear of people. You're afraid to be in a group. You're afraid to be around people. You're afraid to socialize. Something happened to you in the past. Someone hurt you and it need to take it to the Lord and let them deal with it. Number seven is this control and manipulation. People that are the manipulators, they've been hurt and they're going to control every situation and make sure nobody hurts them ever again. They will manipulate you and manipulate you to the point where if they think you're going to hurt them, they'll kick you out of their life. Do whatever it takes not to feel that hurt or that pain again. Now listen, if these are one of the strongholds that you've run to, we can pray for you all day long, but that spirit has a legal right to your life. A legal right. As of just like that spirit came upon Saul. It, it, it say, and we talked about it a few weeks ago with Job. Where the, Satan will say, I got a legal right. And God will say, you're right, you do. You have a legal right to enter their life. Because they're running to the wrong stronghold. So here's the answer to point number one and two. It's point number three. Pain and suffering occur to bring me to Jesus. Every single bit of pain that you've experienced is to bring you to Jesus. Every single bit of suffering you've experienced is to bring you to Jesus. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. Okay, listen, let me, let me, let me break a demonic lie over your life, okay? And I see this lie all over Facebook. I see people quoting this. It is literally from the devil, and I'll tell you why. When people say, time heals all wounds... That's a lie from the devil. That is a lie, 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 lie. Nowhere does it say time heals wounds. No, time does not heal any wounds. 
The reason it's demonic is because it's actually the opposite. Time actually makes the wound go deeper to the point where at first it was just affecting your sleep. Now it's affecting your children. Then a few more years, time goes by and now it's affecting your marriage. Time goes by, it's affecting your judgment. Time goes by, it's affecting your creativity, your new relationships, your new ideas, because the root's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Time doesn't heal anybody. In fact, some of you that have disguised this and thinking that you're healing because of time, you're not. I guarantee you, if it's a certain TV show comes up that reminds you of what you went through, or that smell, or that song plays on the radio, you'll feel the same pain and suffering you felt 20 years ago when it happened, because time doesn't heal any wounds. Time with Jesus heals all wounds. Time with Jesus heals all wounds. Time with Jesus. Not time. Time with Jesus. This word brokenhearted in this particular scripture, and you see that word in Luke 14 when it talks about what we're anointed to do, comes from two um, Hebrew words. One is centribo, the other one's cardia with a K. Cardia is where we get cardiac with a C. Of course, it means heart. Centribo, the broken, means this. To shatter into pieces that are unrecoverable. Let me ask you a question. Has your heart ever been shattered to the point where all the scientists in the world and all the super glue in the world could not put it back together? If so, I have good news. The Lord can heal a shattered heart. The Lord can heal a heart that you once thought or once perceived to be unrecoverable. Um, in May of 1980, Candy Leitner received a phone call that forever changed her life. Her little 13-year-old girl was walking to church one Sunday. And a car came by and hit her with such force, it knocked her out of her shoes and 125 feet away and it killed her um, candy thought that she could not go on with life she didn't know what she was going to do and then one day as devastated as she was to add to that she discovered that the man that hit her daughter was driving drunk he was under the influence of alcohol and he was a repeat offender and still had his driver's license when candy heard that something rose up inside of her she went into the bedroom of her late daughter she got on her knees and she asked God to begin to heal her heart from this pain and this suffering caused by this man. When God was dealing with her in, the in her daughter's bedroom, she started getting this idea for a new organization she was going to start. She had no money. She had no experience. She had no influence. All she had for it was a name. She called it MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Today, that organization has influenced policies all throughout our country. It has uh, influenced uh, laws and changed laws, and it has saved over 370,000 lives. It did not bring her daughter back from the dead, but she used that pain for a purpose. Candy did not waste her pain. And just to add to that, even talking about the Concert of Hope and Ten, if you look on my Facebook page, you'll see a little bit of a testimony. A few years ago, this man was in, 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 in the hospital dying of drug overdose. I mean, he's ridden with hell's angels. He's done everything. He's been out of jail. And then all that pain isn't going to waste. You're going to go through pain. What are you going to do with it, though? 
Are you going to get a purpose out of it? And how many drug addicts are going to come off the street because that drug addict was once on the street? What's going to happen in the future of these people? Listen, we can't waste this pain. So remember, King Saul had an evil spirit from the Lord. Remember that, from the Lord. Matthew 8, 1832. Jesus, Jesus is telling a parable. And the king said, I forgave you because you asked me. You did something wrong. You asked forgiveness. I forgave you. So you should have mercy on your fellow servant. You didn't forgive this guy. Watch verse 34. The king turned him over to torturers. I think you know what torturers represents. One translation says tormentors. Verse 35. My heavenly father will do the same thing to you if you don't forgive the people that have hurt you. So here King Saul has an evil spirit. Now the king is turning over people like you and me to torturers because we won't forgive. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.1, it's been reported there's sexual immorality among you. Verse 5, Paul says this, you're to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved. So God puts evil spirit on Saul. Paul said, turn this guy over to Satan because he's immoral. Uh, if you don't forgive, you'll be tortured. Why would God allow us to be tormented in pain? Here's why. Sometimes pain is the only way some people, by that I mean me and you, will ever change. Sometimes pain is the only thing that causes us to turn around and go in a different direction. And God will allow you to go through pain and suffering until it brings out of your life what he wants to see, what he put inside of you. Before you were informed in your mother's womb. So, you know, we had COVID a few months ago and I was one of the first ones to get sick. And I only had one day of bad symptoms. Only one day. The rest of the time I'm stuck in my house, you know, watching TV and, you know, ordering food. And one night at 10 o'clock at night I order Chinese like I like to do after my wife goes to bed. And, um, and then at midnight I like to eat it again. And so I thought at midnight I was going to have an egg roll, right? So I put an egg roll in the microwave and my wife loves this story. She loves the story. And so I put the, my egg roll in the microwave, and the microwave beeps, and I get a paper towel, and, you know, I don't grease on my hands, and I, I don't mind it in my stomach, I just don't want it in my hands. And so I take the egg roll, and I bite the egg roll, and I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden it felt like there were wasps stinging my foot. And so I, I, I scream like a girl, and I kick my foot, and I see a piece of cabbage fly across the kitchen. <laughs> and I look down, and my foot has place where the skin is missing, scorched in the shape of a piece of cabbage. <laughs> and so I, I look down and I feel the egg roll and the egg roll is hot as fire. But the symptom of COVID not allowing me to smell or taste, I also couldn't feel temperature in my mouth. I run to the bathroom and my whole mouth is singed. I mean, top, bottom, tongue, everything completely burnt. If I could have only felt the initial pain, it wouldn't have done worse damage to my body. For some of you, the reason you're experiencing some suffering, some pain right now, God's trying to prevent worse damage in the future. But if you keep going and you ignore it, it's going to cause you a lot of harm. That was a good analogy. Wasn't it? That was a great analogy. I knew I was going to have to tell that story at some point. Burning my foot with an egg roll was going to make it into a sermon. So the guy that was in sexual morality, he, they turned him over to Satan. Guess what happened? Satan thought he had him, but guess what the guy did? He repented. You know why? He experienced pain. 
He repented. In 2 Corinthians 2.7, Paul says this. Now you should forgive him and encourage him to keep him from excessive sorrow. In other words, he's already repented. We don't want him feeling guilty. He's repented. Watch this. Paul says, reinstate him. Restore him. Put him where he was at. Affirm your love for him. In fact, you should forgive everyone for everything to keep Satan from taking advantage of us. One more story and I'll let you go. Um, I saw this on the news. I thought it was so funny. True story. This woman who was incredibly healthy, always been healthy. One day she started feeling really nauseated and uh, her feet were getting larger and she didn't know why. She didn't know what was wrong. And over the next few months, her back started hurting. She couldn't sleep at night. She's going to the bathroom a hundred times a day. She went to the doctor and they thought she had a virus. Told her it'll just pass soon. Month after month, it was getting worse and worse. She was uncomfortable. She's gaining weight. She didn't like it. One day, she started feeling this horrible pain in her stomach. So she tried to endure it a little bit longer. It was so excruciating. She begged her husband, get me to the emergency room. The doctor examined her, and he said, I know exactly what's wrong with you. Ninety minutes later, he handed her her new healthy baby boy. She was pregnant and didn't know it. All those symptoms she was feeling, all that pain, all that discomfort and nausea, there was a purpose for it. Something new and exciting was about to take place in her life. She was going to give birth. Many times, just like her, you and I are pregnant and we don't know it. All we feel is the pain. All we're talking about is the nauseousness, the discomfort. I can't believe I'm going through this. There's a purpose for it. God is about to birth something new and exciting in your life. A new ministry, a new relationship, a new level of anointing, a new idea, a new business. There's a purpose to the pain. Jesus did not exempt himself from this pain and suffering. Hebrews 12 2, Jesus suffered the pain of the cross. Here's how. He kept his eyes fixed on the joy that was in front of him. Maybe the pain that you're feeling today is actually a blessing in disguise for tomorrow. You can't escape the pain. You can't remove the suffering. But how it changes you is totally and completely up to you. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer.